This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we uh, get ready to uh, say goodbye to 2022 and usher in a a new year. I know it's been crazy if you've been traveling or trying to get the family and everything, uh, really crazy with uh, what has gone on with the travel, with the airlines and everything else. So patience, patience, patience uh, is all you can hope for uh, as we get ready for this holiday weekend. Uh, It's always a fun weekend. I, I, I love the bowl games. I actually try to analyze every single ball game. Won't wager on all the ball games because there's some games I can't. Like, I couldn't figure out the Duke UCF game for anything. I went back and forth and forth and back. And I'm glad I, I didn't do anything on the game because I would have got it wrong. I think I would have gone with UCF and Duke beat him. I was rooting for Kansas. I didn't play that game, but I was rooting for Kansas. What a wild comeback for Kansas. And then to lose the way they did. Uh, in, you know, three overtimes. Uh, thought that was wild. I like Texas Tech. I thought they played well. Um, I like Washington against Texas. That's this evening. They've, been, they've had a fascinating year, and, and they run a very good, sophisticated passing offense. I look for teams that have an edge in the passing offense. Now you got also have to do a lot of homework now on these bowl games. you got to know who entered the portal. you got to know who isn't playing because of the draft. And you got to try and gauge momentum and motivation. That's why I like getting to the New Year's games and to the championship games because you know people are playing. You know you don't have to worry about motivation. Uh, a couple of games stick out to me. I'm looking forward to the two semifinal games. And I'm really looking forward to the Rose Bowl. I think that's a great matchup since the day it came out. I love the matchup. I think the teams are dead even. And the Rose Bowl always is incredibly meaningful. It's a part of Americana. It's something everybody watches. Everybody's home that day. Everybody watches in the afternoon. Everybody turns on Pasadena, which looks beautiful. And I'll tell you something. For a big stadium, that stadium does not have a bad seat in it. I've been in that stadium more than once. I've worked in that stadium. I've been, in this, I've been a, a spectator in that stadium. And it is a great football scene. It really is. It looks like it is, but when you're somewhere where it's icy and cold and you see Pasadena and you see everything, it looks like Shangri-La. It is Shangri-La. For football, it really is Shangri-La. It, it really is. Um, I like Michigan over TCU. I think the TCU story is great. I don't think they match up great with Michigan. I think Michigan's going to wear them down in the second half and out. The other game, I think Georgia's the best team in the country. I think that game could be a real shootout, though. 
a real shootout. Ohio State's going to give Georgia some 20. I was, did not like how Georgia played against the LSU passing game when they changed quarterbacks in that, bo- in that championship game. LSU moved the ball up and down the field on them, and it was crazy how bad Georgia looked on defense in their pass defense. That scared me a little bit because Ohio State, which played miserably in the Michigan game, miserably, were poorly coached, played terribly, I would think would look to bounce back here. I don't think they'll beat Georgia, but I think the game could be a real shootout. And I do think we will have a Georgia-Michigan final. And I actually think this year that Harbaugh has a chance. He really does. You know, it's been a wild free agency for the locals on a lot of levels. You know, everyone worried about Judge. You knew the Yankees had to bring him back. The Yankees clearly... And, you know, Hal has basically showed his cause on this. The Yankees clearly have, they're not cheap in any way, they're the Yankees, but they clearly have a plan that institutes a form of economic restraint, which was not there in the past. While the Mets, the owner has developed into the one thing the other owners did not want them to become. And that is this being that will upset everybody's economic equilibrium. And that they don't like. And that they want no part of. And he has become that. Now this career thing has gotten silly. Okay. It is very hard as an outsider to get into what each side should do because you know what? We don't know the ex- in the way HIPAA laws work, we don't find out the extent of the injuries. And unless we know exactly what we're dealing with here with him, short-term prognosis, long-term prognosis, it is very difficult for say, back off, go attack, do this, do that, change this, change that. It's very difficult because the bottom line is you just don't know exactly what's real and what's not real because we don't get, and we're not supposed to get, adequate information on those on, on that situation. We Really, we're not supposed to, and we don't. And it makes a big difference. And, you know, if you think you understand exactly what the medical, well, unless you've been there and you've, you know, read the charts and you've seen the MRIs, you don't know. You just don't. All right, let's get to some uh, emails here. Remember, uh, Mike Francis podcast at gmail.com. Here you go, right off the bat. What do you make of the Mets career holdup? Think they make a deal? Does it make sense for both parties? I don't think the Mets have to have this single player to be successful. Do I think he is the key to the entire thing? I do not. Do they need another quality bat? 
that is on the right side, they do. They can get that in a variety of ways. It does not have to be this player. They do not have to go to this extent. Now, everyone thought that the Giants had really made a big mistake or Boris had pulled, you know, pulled the fast one, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is, again, we don't know what we were dealing with here and what these teams are dealing with here. And obviously, now, two teams have walked, which does put up a big red light. Without knowing what we're dealing with in terms of the extent and the nature of how deep this injury goes, it's very difficult to discuss economics. So you just let it play out. Is it something that is going to change the Mets' future? I don't think it does one way or the other. It's a nice luxury. It doesn't have to be. There are other fish in the sea. This is Brad. Which of the following flash-in-the-pan New York athletes did you think would actually amount to something great? The one with the most reasonable potential where you were surprised they fell short. Kevin Moss, Jane Spencer, Jeremy Lin. Kevin Moss and Shane Spencer are almost in the same boat where they just had one power surge that was incredibly impressive. Now, Moss came along at a time where they desperately needed someone and he was from Central Casting. Okay, he really was. Uh, he was represented by someone I knew well, so I, I was very familiar with the whole situation there. Um, I was never of the opinion that he was on his way to stardom. I would say of that three, and I would have taken other guys that I would put in more, using the same criteria, I think there were other guys who were better examples. But of the three you mentioned, I thought Lynn was going to be something special. I thought it was real. And I actually think it was. I mean, there was really something that had caught on there. If it had been given a chance to develop, I would say him. Mike and Patchogue, I'm turning 40 next year and starting to hit midlife crisis. Well, at least you're, you know, you know, self-analyzing yourself well. Uh, based on your own life experiences, what are some things that you think should be on every sports fan's bucket list? Good question. Um, I think you should go to an Army-Navy game. Whether you're a huge football fan, college football fan, I think you should go to an Army-Navy game and soak it in. It's an incredible event, and it's an incredible event in person. And get there early and watch the uh, watch Army march in. That's worth the price of admission right there. Um, there are a couple of 
places, venues that you, I think you have to see. Now, one of them happens to be in New York because you've got a chance to get to Yankee Stadium. Everyone should go to Yankee Stadium. Everyone should go to Yankee Stadium. Everyone should sometime get to go to Green Bay if they can. That's not an easy place to go to, but it, it's special. Uh, locally, I would say once in your life, no matter what you think of or don't think of horse racing, go to Saratoga for a weekend. Saratoga is one of the great sports venues. I think it got voted seventh. And for a horse racing venue to get voted seventh on the top 10 of the most important and impressive sports locales in the world, in the world, this, Wimbledon was on that list. Saratoga was seventh on that list. Saratoga is an incredibly special place. I guarantee anybody who goes there for a weekend you will, and stays in the town and goes to the track on Saturday and Sunday, you will have a great weekend. You will depart there on Sunday night or Monday morning and say, that was a great weekend. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. I have guaranteed that for... 30 years, and I have never had anybody come up to me at Saratoga and say, hey, I took your advice, and what a terrible place. Every person has said, I've bumped into it, has said that to me, has said, I took your advice, and now I'm here 15 years in a row. I'm here 10 years in a row. I come back every year. That's what everybody says. It is captivating. There is no, if I can't go there in August, I feel deprived. August, I don't love going there in July. Almost feel like it's cheating. It is the August place to be. I love Saratoga in August. It's now open from the middle of July until Labor Day. That's part of the new racing world because that's how their plan is going to be. It may even add a couple of more weeks in the future and go from the 4th of July to Labor Day. And the rest of the year will run at Belmont and there will be no aqueduct. It will be absorbed by, the, uh, by Kennedy Airport. That's coming in the future. Um, that would be wrong, I think, to extend the Saratoga meet I think they've pushed it as far as they can. It's now 40 days long. I didn't think I'd like 40 days. I don't mind it. But I usually don't go all of July anyway. Uh, I like to get there July 27th, 28th, right around there. And then be there in the first couple of weeks. I love the first couple of weeks in August. The sales, everything else. I love being there then. It's my favorite time. I'm gone before the Travis. I don't, I don't stay for the Travis. Unless I have a horse in it, but I, 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 otherwise I don't stay in the Travis. Hopefully we have a young horse that can get to the Travis. That would be nice. We have a couple of new ones. Uh, we still have Casa, who's uh, starting a new year. He may run in, uh, in the Middle East in one time in February. Uh, High Oak is back, and he's training, knock on wood, exceptionally well. We're expecting a big four-year-old season. We're hoping to run him. Uh, back in the Carter Handicap first, and then in the uh, Met Mile. That's what our goal is with them, and then starting back from there. That's the first two legs that we're going to try and win with them this year. 
if we can keep him healthy. But right now he's training exceptionally well. So uh, we gave him a bunch of time off. But Saratoga would be on that list. Green Bay would be on that list. In baseball, I'd say there's all three, and I would put them in this order. Fenway Park would be one. Yankee Stadium would be two. Wrigley would be three. I'm not as big a Wrigley fan as some people. I love Fenway Park. I think it's the best park in baseball, even better than Yankee Stadium. Um, I love Fenway Park. Love it. Absolutely love it, and I think they redid it brilliantly. Uh, They did a great job, and I love the place. I think that's special. Um, uh, If you could ever get to a Final Four, I would go and get to a Derby. I would go. The Derby is the single best run event I've ever been to where you can be in the place with 150,000 people and you don't feel cramped. That's why I call it the best run event I've ever been to. Dan at Edgewater, do you feel all the replay reviews have been good for professional sports? No, I hate them. I hate them. I wish there was a streamlined decision. I think they none of them do it right. I think there still should be an overhaul. And what the NBA does late in the game is just ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. And I don't like any of them. I really, I, w- I wish we didn't have them. I, I, I really do. But with all the TV and all the angles, uh, it's very hard because if they get one play wrong, that's really egregious. Uh, you fans are never going to let anybody forget about it. So that's why they have to have it. Greg emails, many, if not most, regard Bill Walt as the best offensive mind of all time. Who would you say are some of the best defensive minds of all time? I differ with you. I don't think Bill Walsh is automatically the best. The greatest innovator in the history of football is without question, and there is no debate on the issue. The father of modern football is Paul Brown. Everything comes from Paul Brown. He and Bill Walsh worked under Paul Brown and despised him because he didn't make him the head coach of the Bengals, which broke. Bill Walsh almost broke him as a person until he resurfaced with the Niners. Almost broke him as a person. Uh, that's how upset he was that Paul Brown, who he idolized, because everybody idolized Paul Brown. Paul Brown is the father of modern football. Arab Segan played for Paul Brown and told me Paul Brown was the smartest football man who ever lived. Everybody thought that about Paul Brown. He's first. On any list, he's first. Walsh was a very good offensive guy. There are some very good defensive guys. Landry was very good both ways. He was very, very good and invented a lot of stuff, both offensively and defensively. He was a very important defensive guy himself, Landry. Lombardi was an execution guy. He was not an innovator. He was not an innovator in his own right. He was a guy who believed in execution. Don't worry about what the play is. Just run it right. Okay? Watch him as he runs the Green Bay sweep and, and teaches it. They believe in simple, and it's about execution, not about fooling people. Bill Walsh was an innovator, no question. But I asked Bill Walsh once, what's the perfect mix for you with your offense? And he said, you'll be surprised. 150 yards rushing and 250 yards passing. That's the perfect game. So it did have a lot of rushing in it, 150 yards rushing and 250 yards passing. 
That was his perfect model. But when you get that list, it all begins with Paul Brown. Um, Craig emails, what do you think of the way Major League Baseball salaries are escalating? Uh, it shocks me. It's a, a team like San Diego, so we get to break the bank. Um, listen, teams don't have money they don't have. Teams don't spend money they don't have, number one. So all the different revenue streams that now include different things like digital and streaming and the like, there is an incredible amount of money available. Look how much money NFL teams make now before they sell a ticket. Just from television, look how much money they divvy up in the NFL. It is mind-boggling. And that's before you even count in the new uh, YouTube slash Google DirecTV, not DirecTV, um, NFL Sunday ticket. I always wound up calling DirecTV. DirecTV owned it. They are not the, it's not its name. Its name is the Sunday ticket. The Sunday ticket, which includes the Red Zone, is now going to be on YouTube, as you know. They outbid everybody for it. Uh, that will put YouTube on the map in a bigger way than it has been. It has been for your kids on the map. It's now going to be on the map for everybody. There's no question about it, but the money is astronomical. Listen, they make incredible amounts of money. That's why they can pay the players. What happened, though, is the players got to a point through their unions where they said, we are partners. We need to split the revenue. And that's, in essence, what they do. They split the revenue. Eric, will Steve Cohen's spending lead to a major league baseball salary cap? No, I don't think it will. It's going to lead to a lot of grimacing. It's going to lead to a lot of complaining. It's going to lead to a lot of nastiness, but I don't think it will ever lead to a salary cap. The players' union is too strong, and they will never allow it. And look at how salaries have escalated. But remember, Salaries in the NFL have escalated enormously, but not in every position. In the NFL, there is even a greater inequality in salaries than there is in baseball because the star gets paid so much money and the quarterback gets paid so much money. But in basketball, look, it all falls into the hands of a couple of players. Look how much money these players make in baseball. Look at these guys now. When these guys are proven all-stars in the NBA, they turn around and sign contracts for $240, $260, $280 million. Guaranteed. That's just insane when you think about it. And they do get paid like that. So it's happening in all sports. Mike in Plainview. Growing up, some of my favorite sports radio memories when you and Dog read a George Steinbrenner a missive live on the air, okay, that was me. I took the I took the George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner had a habit of releasing statements through his PR firm, Rubenstein, and I decided to take the missive and to the music of Patton, read the missive. So missives became incredibly popular with the audience. When I say we have a missive, 
we just thought the music, and it would come from General George Steinbrenner the third. Okay, so, and we'd play the patent music, and away we'd go. It took on a life of its own. It became a very big part of the show. Okay, uh, we they started sending us the releases sometimes early because we treated them in a certain way. So a lot of times that happened, but not always. But even if it did, the first place most people saw it or read it was with us because we'd get it the same time everyone else would, which would be immediate if it went to everybody. Sometimes it did come to us a little early, I have to admit. But we would go right into the missive immediately. And I would always say, dog, we have a missive. And that would stop everything. And Pat Music would play, and we would, and I would read the missive. So uh, it was a great, great, you know, vehicle for us, and one that was incredibly popular. He says here that one that I still remember was after the 2002 Angels eliminated the Yankees from postseason, and George made a point to congratulate their team and their manager as a dictatory. Does any particular missive stand out? Uh, and did you get as much joy reading and reacting to them as we did? Not one stands out over the others. I loved all of them. I couldn't get too many missives. Missives were a gift. They were an absolute gift. We treasured them. Whenever, and we knew that if the Yankees lost a series, the day after the loss would come, hey, congratulations to the blank on defeating us this year. We fell short of our goal, but we will never, ever stop trying. We go to work immediately to begin the work as we roll up our sleeves for next season. A Yankee never quits. Okay, it would be something like that. And it would get an incredible amount of play. And it would, the fans loved it. I loved it. We all loved it. It was great. It was a, listen, having him as a character. And he was an integral, you know, he would get mad at us sometimes and not do interviews with us for a long time. He got mad at me one time. He felt I boxed him into a corner and he told Joel Hondo, who was then the general manager of the station, I'm not going on this show anymore. But he was the first one when he signed, when he got the Yes Network, the first thing he did was make Mike and the Mad Dog part of the new radio contract that he had. So part of the contract was, I have to have the boys on Yes, every day. So they came to us, as a matter of fact, and said, hey, you want to be on TV? We're like, what do you mean? Like, I'm a simulcast? They go, yeah. And how much money do you want? I have to know by tomorrow. We're like, I have to know by what? I have to know by tomorrow. That was a true story. Because they, had a, they were ready to do the radio contract, and they had to put in how much we were getting paid by yes. Because Fan wasn't paying us. 
Yes, paid us. And then years later, it became a, and I wound up splitting the money with, with, yeah, with, with the fan. Later years, even if the dog left, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what I exactly got, but I got millions of dollars on yes contracts, which I split 50 50 with fan on, you know, simulcasting the show with the yes network. They paid an astronomical amount for the show years later. It started out, we were making a couple hundred bucks. It grew to be something far greater than that in years to come. And we were on the network for a very, very long time. And that was all George's idea, nobody else's, to have us on the network. It was his idea. He came up with it. And George was smart. And he knew how to promote things. And he get mad at us, but he knew that we were very good at promoting his team and him and everything else. And whenever I'd see him in the elevator or see him at the stadium, he was always great to me. We'd always, we always talked horses because he had horses. As a matter of fact, I still break some of my horses and, and keep some of my horses on his farm because we have the same trainer, Bill Mott, who was his trainer. Uh, Craig and uh, Freehold, what are your thoughts on the NFL's deal with YouTube and how will it impact teams? Hey, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. That's how it impacts teams. How will it impact the growth of YouTube? How will it impact the growth of the sport? It will help in every way. And the Red Zone channel has taken on a life of its own. It has become, because of fantasy football, and everything else, I hear all the time. I have to be honest with you. My boys, on a Sunday when we're at home, meaning if when we're in back on Long Island, not down in Florida, when we're home, they will watch the game in the living room. I will have the Giants and Jets on in my office. They will have the Red Zone channel on in the living room. And I'll be walking out half the time in the living room to see the Red Zone channel while the Jets and Giants are playing in my office. I'm like, Dad, why are you always watching the Jets and Giants? I said, I have to watch the Jets and Giants. And they watch, even though Harrison's a Kansas City Chief fan and Jack is an Atlanta Falcon fan because of Julio Jones. He loves Julio Jones as a kid. He won number 11 because of it. Um, they all watch the Red Zone. And generation now, I think growing up, is going to watch the Red Zone as much as anything else. And that is all YouTube, because that's part of the Sunday ticket. And the Red Zone is unbelievably popular. And they're missing, their, they're missing uh, YouTube if they were smart. And I, listen, I shouldn't even say this, because I don't really even want to do it. But the, the perfect person to do the Red Zone is me. I'm telling you right now, I would be better at that than anybody. And I'm not bragging. That's made for me, that kind of show. I love all the games as they come down to the wire. I love talking strategy, what's possible. Here's what they can do. Here's the thing. I love that. I love that. I would, I would have a hard time saying no. Even though I would lock up all my Sundays, I would have a hard time saying no to doing the, the Red Zone channel. Because I love the idea of doing that and having 
switching from this game to that game and this game to that game. And here we go. Now, especially in what I call the wishing hour and the NFL, as I've told you many times on one o'clock games, and the NFL in its essence is Sunday at one. And as those games start to finish from three until 4.20, when usually every game is done, the one o'clock game, 3.20 is a long game. Those games, which is now why they start the second game, the big national doubleheader game at 4.25, because the long game goes to 4.20. Um, those games, the witching hour, 3 to 4.30, that's when everything changes. The scores before, check the scores. One week, do this. And I always tell people this. Write down the scores of all the 1 o'clock games at 3 o'clock. And then write down the final scores and see how different it is. And that's why I call it the witching hour. 3 until 4.30. And when the 1 o'clock games come down there, one after another, after another, after another, that's when the NFL is at its best. Chris emails, if the Giants make the playoffs, will the pressure be unfair on Dable next year, considering the roster may be even worse? <laughs> hey, make the playoffs. Worry about it later. Dable has solidified himself. Not every year is going to be upscale. The Giants are, and your point is well taken, the Giants are not as good as their record this year. Two teams stand out as not being as good as their records this year, Minnesota and the Giants. They are not as good as their records. The games have bounced their way. They have coached the games well. And Dable has coached the game superbly. He's done it with mirrors. He does not have a lot of talent on the team. The team needs a lot of upgrade on personnel. A lot. Not a little. A lot. Donovan, are there any new TV shows you've been following? I mean, my wife got me into Yellowstone. I like it. I don't, li- I don't love it. I've been watching Tulsa King with Stallone. It's a little campy. It's got a little soprano twinge to it. Stallone carries it off. He's in every dawn scene. It's pretty good. So if you want to sit down, it's had seven episodes so far. Tulsa King. Check it out. Yellowstone, everybody's watching. I like it. Like I said, my wife and I watch it. I like it. It's not killer, but it's okay. Got a couple of good characters. His daughter is just a psycho. She's a nut, but she's a good character. Um, it's not bad. But Tulsa King, it's Stallone who people like. Stallone is a movie star. You can tell he carries the screen. He carries the story. He's in every shot. It works. Check that out. It's not bad. And it's got, it's a little Soprano light. You know, it's got some people who worked on the Sopranos in it, you know, working on it also. So they have a little bit of the Sopranos in them there, a little bit. So let me tell you, folks, as we wrap up this uh, podcast, I want to, and the last, this will probably be the last one I do uh, before the end of the year. I want to wish you all a very uh, happy and healthy 2023. 
um, much prosperity and health and happiness to you and your family. And hopefully, and I don't like to get preachy about stuff. I really don't. I'm very much to each his own person. But let me tell you, we got we to gotta get together in this country. We got to get these two parties to forget the lunatic fringe that is influencing both sides to the right and the left and run to the middle where it makes sense to govern and where most smart governing is done. But even more important than that, we've got to figure out why we're killing each other so randomly and so cold-bloodedly everywhere you turn around. I was taken by that last week when the Giants were staying connected to the Mall of America and some of the people were actually in the mall when there was a shooting in the, in the Mall of America, which is the second or biggest mall, depending on the week with, you know, they fight uh, Roosevelt Field, which is the biggest mall. I think now Mall of America is bigger. But Mall of America is an enormous mall in Minnesota. But there was a shooting there. And now, if you hear there's a shooting, I bet you you don't even turn on the news anymore. It happens so often. Oh, four students killed in Idaho, at the University of Idaho. We don't blink. Oh, six people shot here. We don't blink. Oh, this guy just shot up a target. Oh, this guy killed 12 in a Kmart. What the heck is going on? It's got to stop. And we have to care enough to figure out a way to make it stop. And I say that before it strikes someone you know or someone you care about or, you know, or hits close to home. Because when it doesn't, we're very good at moving on. And I guess that's all we can do. But it's everywhere now. And I don't understand what's going on to why it's happened this way. And how randomly we just take life. Because we're unhappy. Because we didn't get a break. Because life didn't go our way. Or somebody wasn't nice to us and we decided we'd shoot up the town. Or shoot up the school. It's crazy. Well, that would be my wish for the new year if there is one. And I wish you health and happiness. We'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever. You get your podcasts.